you came in after announcements, my name is Nick Ramundo. I'm on staff here, and I'm really glad that you're joining us. We hope that you had an incredible Thanksgiving, whether you celebrated with family or chose to celebrate in a different way, that's, that's okay. We're glad that you're here today. In fact, we're glad that you've made a commitment to week after week um, to tune in. Whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, you have made Sunday morning service a part of your normal routine and, and we're blessed by that, not just because um, the band puts a lot of work, the people that speak put a lot of work into what they do and the craft that they, they provide. However, that's not the reason why we're incredibly grateful or happy. We're happy because we know the impact that a community can have when they gather together, whether it's virtually, whether it's in person, but the local church coming together and living out God's mission And so we thank you for taking the time to make this a continuous part of your routine. Whether you watch us live, whether you watch us on Tuesday night while you walk on the treadmill, or whether you come in person, you have made this a part of your life and routine in a world that is ever-changing. And so as I was reflecting on the past nine months, thinking about the world that we live in, a term came to my mind. Um, I had the privilege, one of my favorite sports growing up was football. I played at Northridge, wasn't very good, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the friendships, I loved the sport, I loved the time that I got to spend playing football. And one of the terms that was very popular at the time, it still may be, was this term called sudden change. And it was something that the coaches would yell out when something negative happened. Now, our team wasn't very good, and so we got really good at hearing this sudden change. And what this term means is something is going in one direction. It's going the right way. You feel like you're getting ready to score. Maybe you're driving down the field about to score, and the running back fumbles the ball, and all of a sudden, you go from offense to defense. There's an opportunity for you to get frustrated for you to get depressed, get angry with each other. There is a sudden change, something that happened negatively in the game, a turning point in our life where we could respond poorly or we could recognize it and respond differently than what other people are responding. And I think we live in a world that is full of sudden changes. Over these past nine months with COVID, Who would have thought that Thanksgiving would have went the way it went? Maybe some of you had family members that canceled coming over. Maybe you decided to stay at home. Um, There are sudden changes all around us. Some of you might not know if you're going to have a job, if your company is going to stay open and survive this. Some of you don't know if your kids are going to go virtual all the way to the end of the year or if it's just going to go till January or if it's going to even go into the elementary schools. Some of you don't know if you should even go visit your parents and risk exposing them? Do you go to the grocery store? Do you not go? How does our country come together and unite? There are so many changes and turning points in our life. I started to think, is there anything that we can do that will help us respond differently to these sudden changes in our world? That will help us respond with a hope, with a joy, with a peace, especially as we're walking into the Christmas season. It's a season that typically is full of a lot of love, a lot of excitement, a lot of good feels. And this year, it feels like some of that joy, some of that hope, some of that peace is kind of being pulled away from us, and it doesn't really feel fair. And as these changes happen, as things quickly move from one second to the next, 
Is there anything that we can do? My hope for today is that I can give you four practical skills that you can take with you and you can practice week after week that will help you respond differently than what the world would respond during this time. That when something that makes no sense and is terrible happens to you during this time, you can respond and still experience the peace, joy, and hope of Christ. Next week, Blair is going to be talking about gift exchange. We're going to kick off the Christmas series. And we hope that even though it's a funky, weird year, that we still can experience the hope, peace, and joy of Christ as we walk through it. So before we go any further, can I just take a second and pray with you? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to first thank you for the opportunity for us to gather. Across the country, across the world, there are people that are gathering in your name And let it be our prayer that you are heard, that your spirit moves through those rooms, whether it's one or two people meeting or thousands of people meeting, that your spirit is loud and is directing each of us as we continue to walk through this ever-changing season of all of our lives. We thank you for everything that you've given us, and we ask that you continue to guide us and open our ears as we hear you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So as I was reflecting on this idea and was thinking about what in the world can we do in these sudden changes, I was kind of reminded that not only is everything changing in our life, I think we've kind of become conditioned not necessarily to like these changes, but to search these changes out. Or we want to be the first people to get the first bit of information about a major change or adjustment that's coming in our life. We love when we get a juicy piece of gossip and we can share it on Facebook or social media before anybody else, or we can tell a friend or somebody about the latest or biggest change. We're kind of sitting around waiting, anticipating, what's the next change? What's going to be the next directive? Is it going to come from the health department? Is it going to come from our governor? Is it going to come from somewhere else? Is something else going to get canceled or adjusted? We're all sitting around waiting for this, and we've kind of conditioned ourselves to always be sitting in this feeling of angst where we're waiting for the next piece of information that will come in and could possibly radically change our lives. And I think news articles, if you go to CNN, if you go to the local news, if you go to Fox News, one thing that you're going to notice is there's always a banner that says breaking news across the bottom or top, even when the information really isn't breaking news. But they know that we desire to know the information. We want to know the latest and greatest, and we want to share it, and we want to understand what's going on in our world, even though it has led to high rates of anxiety, of depression, of worry, of fear. We're all sitting at the edge of our seat waiting. What's going to happen next? And so my question is, is there anything that we can do in this world that will allow us to respond differently? Are we just ping pong balls being bounced back and forth and don't really have a lot of options other than just try and survive? I think that there's some things that we can do. I think that Paul directly talked to the church of Philippi and gave them some advice when he wrote the book of Philippians. And so today, we're going to spend our entire time in the book of Philippians looking for four practical things that allowed Paul to say one of the greatest or most known verses that I think we know today. 
In fact, I have a shirt. It's an athletic wear shirt, and on the front it says, I can do all things. And then it references Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul found ways to find the strength of Christ no matter what situation he was in. And it allowed him to respond differently. Whether he had a whole lot or whether he had little, he responded in a way that would honor God. And I think for us, whether our world is radically being changed or it's going normal, we can find ways to respond with the strength that Christ gives us. And in fact, one of my favorite parts of this verse is we all know Philippians 4.13, but right before Philippians 4.13, it kind of gets missed. But Paul is explaining to the church of Philippi, he had a deep loving relationship with this group of people. It was a church that he established on one of his mission trips, and he had um, just love for them. And so they were checking on him. We're going to talk about the context of Philippians in a little bit. But they were checking on him, and he responded by writing them encouraging, joyful notes in this letter. And in Philippians verse 11... It says, well, we'll start with verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. He's talking to the church of Philippi. They were concerned about Paul. But you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For us, as we're walking through this world, some of us might not know what job we're going to be doing next week, if our companies are going to survive, how our kids are responding or impacted by this. But no matter what situation you're facing, you can respond with the same strength that Paul had because the same spirit that guided and directed Paul lives inside you and I today. And so we can find the secret of being content. And that's the strength through Jesus Christ. And so if you were to read Acts chapter 16, in fact, I'd encourage you to jot that down and read that later this week, you will understand why Paul has such a heart for the church of Philippi. See, what happened was on one of Paul's, it was his second mission, missionary trip, he went to Philippi. He had to travel about 800 miles to get there from Rome. And while he was there, he was teaching and he was preaching. He was trying to get the first church established in that city. And there was a lady that was following him around that kept saying, these men are of the one true God. This gal was possessed with a spirit that allowed her to tell people's fortunes. She made a lot of money for people in their community because she was right at what she did and she was good. And she was compelled to always tell the truth. And so she was constantly following Paul around saying, these men are the men of the one true God over and over again. As Paul's trying to teach, as he's trying to preach, this lady is following him. He turns to her and he says, spirit be gone. And he casts the demon out of her. And her ability to tell people's fortune is gone as well. People in that community were very upset with Paul because he just lost one of their sources of income. And so they stripped Paul naked. They beat him. They flogged him, which means they basically hit him with ropes so that it created a whole bunch of cuts and a whole bunch of bleeding and threw him in jail. 
And while Paul was in there, talk about a sudden change in Paul's life, he continues to preach. He continues to teach. He wins all the prisoners over, and they start believing in Christ. There's a huge earthquake, another sudden change. The jail cells open. All the prisoners can leave, including Paul, but I believe Paul told them to stay put. They stayed in their cell. The prison guard came running to check to see who was gone. He thought everybody had left because who would stay in jail if you had an opportunity to get out? And he decides, if all of these guys left, I have to kill myself because they will kill me if they find out I didn't do my job. He pulls out his sword. He goes to kill himself. And Paul cries out and says, don't do it. We're all here. Come and check on us. The prison guard has a radical change of heart because he knows whatever is in Paul that allowed Paul to direct everybody to stay, he wants inside of him. And so he converts to Christianity. He helps get Paul out of jail, and Paul continues to preach and to teach, and the first church is born. And what's really interesting is that during this time, they didn't know that Paul was Roman. And if you're a Roman citizen, you have a right to a jury. And he probably would have been found guilty for casting the demon out of that lady. And he probably would have been beaten and thrown in jail. But they never held a court to uh, decide whether he was guilty or innocent. And because of that, the officials that grabbed him and beat him without giving him the, the court case that he deserved, they were on the hook for the same punishment. So they wanted to get Paul out of there as quickly as possible before he caused an issue where they could have been beaten and killed. And so Paul had them wrapped around his finger. He could do whatever he wanted as long as he didn't cause any issues. And so what he did was he took time to establish the first church. I believe that the prison guard was probably part of that church. I believe that the lady that cast demons out was probably part of that church. And Paul leaves to continue his mission work, but he has a deep, deep connection with the church of Philippi. And so when the church of Philippi finds out that years later, Paul is sitting in jail again. Now, if if you follow Paul's life, you know he's in jail, he's out of jail. He's shipwrecked, he's healthy, he's beaten, he has a lot of money. All sorts of things, bouncing back and forth, sudden changes constantly coming into Paul's life. But one thing that he does, no matter what the situation, is he responds with the strength of Christ. And he's always teaching and preaching to others, no matter the situation he faces. So the church of Philippi sends their leader, their pastor at the time, to go check on him. Now this is an 800-mile journey. For you and I to check on a person or a friend and have to travel 800 miles, we could do that. It would be super inconvenient. It wouldn't be the most fun thing, but we could travel 800 miles and check on them. For them back then, this meant having to ride animals, having to take a boat trip, having to walk a long distance. But they had this deep relationship because they valued what Paul did early on in establishing their church. They saw him as a spiritual leader and they wanted to check in on their friend. And so when the pastor gets there and he checks in on Paul, at this point, Paul does not know whether he's going to live, whether he's going to be executed, or whether he's going to be released. They want to know how he's feeling and how he's doing. And Paul responds, with a letter called Philippians. And we have that recorded in Scripture today. So we can see exactly how Paul responded when he was at a dark moment in his life, when he could have easily said, I don't know, God, I keep following you, but all this bad stuff happens. 
Is it worth it? Should I keep doing this? He doesn't. He doesn't doubt it for a second. He responds to the church of Philippi with encouragement, trying to lift them up because he values the relationship that they have. And there's four things that Paul talks about that I believe you and I could put into our life and we could practice that would allow us to respond with the same strength that Paul had. And so I want to read through those four things with you quickly, and then we're going to practice them. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend the rest of the today in Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul kicks it off right away by saying, I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. See, I think that life is going to happen. I know life is going to happen. And it's going to stink. And sudden changes are going to radically upturn your world where you're going through life and boom, there's a death of a loved one. You're going through life and boom, you lose your job. And you have an opportunity to get very frustrated and to get down and to be upset. Maybe with this whole COVID situation, you're really struggling to find hope, joy, and peace. But if you surround yourself with an army of people, people that believe the same thing as you, people that have your back no matter what, people that will come to bat for you when life seems like it can't get any worse, if you can find those positive relationships to, re- to surround yourself with, I think you have a shot at finding the strength of Christ. Because at times, when terrible things happen, we need relationships and people to help carry us through those moments. If you have those people, if you know exactly who you call when things get crazy, if you know who you can tell everything to without being judged or being embarrassed, if you have those relationships, you should respond just like Paul did, and you should pray with joy in your heart for those people. Maybe, maybe you haven't made the best choices in life, and maybe your friendships, your relationships aren't the best people. I would encourage you to take some time to find some new people to surround yourself with. At Waypoint, I've had the unfortunate privilege to see tragedy in a lot of people's lives. Terrible things happen from, from death to all sorts of stuff. And what I know about this community, what I know about this church, is there are people here that will surround you and love you no matter what situation you're walking through. Without judgment, without making you feel embarrassed, we understand that we're all trying to adjust course towards Christ. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter what you're facing. If you do not have positive people in your life that are pursuing after Christ, this is an incredible place to start. And anyone on staff would love to help you make those connections. But the first thing is, you need to have an army of people surrounding you if you want to have a shot at finding Christ's strength. The second thing that Paul talks about is in chapter 1, verse 23 and 24. Paul is talking about how he's lived this life for a while and he's been beat up quite a bit. Life hasn't been the most fair. And he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he's saying is, When I live, I have to die to myself daily. I have to sacrifice by living here on earth. But if I were to die... It would be better for me. He continues on to say, If I am to go on living in this body, 
here on earth, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is way better by far. But it is more necessary for me to be here with you. The second thing that I think Paul is talking about is what is your purpose in life and who are you serving? If your purpose in life isn't to serve Christ Jesus and everything that you do, then it makes it a lot harder to respond with Christ's strength when bad things come into your life. I don't know how Paul concluded. I love my family. I love my friendships. I love my relationships. I love my life. I cannot imagine saying, you know, I would rather be dead so I can be with Christ. I know that when we get to heaven, it's going to be incredible. There's no doubt in my mind, sitting around with God and all of these biblical leaders that we'll be able to ask questions with and we'll be able to fellowship with is incredible. But I can't imagine losing what I have here on earth as well. And so what I think Paul is trying to say is no matter what situation you are in, no matter what you're facing, you need to know who you're serving and what your purpose is. And so this isn't a purpose in your job. This isn't a purpose in your leading the family. This is simply your purpose is to serve Christ no matter what situation, no matter what sudden change comes. This is what I believe allowed Paul to preach to people when he had just been beaten and thrown in jail. He knew his purpose was to serve Christ Jesus, the same purpose that you and I have today. Number three, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is one that I think could completely radically change our world if we put it into practice. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others about yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. This is incredibly hard, but I think we live in a world that is full of pride. I do it myself. I might not be the most vocal person, but I think a lot of thoughts or have a lot of um, feelings where I try to do self-righteousness or I try to believe that what I think is better than what others think or what others do. And the truth is, if the Savior of the Lord could come down from his throne in heaven to live a perfect life but end up dying on the cross, the biggest act of, act of humility that we have ever seen in the history of mankind, we can respond with some humility to others. And yes, this means at times others will get the last word. Yes, this means at times you will have to put your own wishes and ambitions aside. This means you might not always get to be right or get your ways. But think about how we, as a body of believers, could change the world that we live in, our relationships, if we were just a little more humble and put others' interests before our own. Think about how our spousal relationships could change, how our relationships with our children could change. Our co-workers, if we said, you know what, I'm going to humble myself here because I love you this much. Because when I humble myself, you're going to see that there's a spirit inside of me that's different than what this world has to offer. And that spirit is Christ Jesus living inside of me. And I hope that one day you choose to invite that spirit into your heart as well. Number three, humble yourself. Number four, this is a hard one, especially when thing hit, things hit the fan. 
It's in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord's always. I will say it again, rejoice. No matter what situation Paul faced, he found ways to rejoice and be thankful. No matter what you face, no matter what I face, we can find ways to rejoice and praise God and to thank him for what he's put in our lives. You know, later today, we're going to help um, facilitate a service for a gentleman who lost his life last week, had a 10-year-old son um, in an accident. How in the world is that family supposed to rejoice right now? How in the world is that family supposed to find a peace and a hope? What are they to do? I, I'm not sure the answer to that. I think each person has to decide. But one thing that I do know is that if you put your trust in the Lord, if you continue to adjust your course towards Christ every day, he will provide something that makes no sense. It's a peace that you cannot find anywhere in this world, no matter what you search. And many people have searched all sorts of things to find happiness, to find strength. But it comes from the one true source, Christ Jesus. And I believe that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could put into practice to stay connected to Christ. But if you're looking for four practical things, I would encourage you, find strong relationships, surround yourself with an army of people, humble yourself, know who you're serving and why you're serving him, and rejoice in all situations. I believe if we can practice this over the next few weeks as we walk into the holiday season, even when it doesn't make sense because we're frustrated with, can we have this family event? Can we not have this family event? This person just canceled. That person just canceled. Why are we dealing with this? We can find the strength that only Christ can provide. So this morning, I want to quickly practice these things. It's not going to take long, but I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. And so the very first thing that I want you to, at your seat, quietly think about is who are two people in your life that you know you can call in a moment's notice and they will have your back. They are your Paul. They are your Church of Philippi. Who are those two people? And then I want you to quickly just thank God for them. All right. The second thing was to know who you're serving and why you're serving him. I want to give you 15 seconds where we sit here in a little bit of awkward silence, but you can spend some time with the Savior of this world and ask him, God, have I been serving you? Have you been the purpose of my heart lately? Or has something gotten in the way? And if so, will you forgive me? If you would, 15 seconds with just you and Christ. Number three was humility. Is there a situation that you've been wrestling with for the past few days, weeks, years, maybe even longer? Maybe it's with a family member, maybe it's with a friend where your pride has gotten in the way and you need to lay something down and ask Christ for some help 
to understand why you keep responding with anger towards this person, towards this situation? Is there something that you're wrestling with that has caused interference between you and Christ that you just need to put at his feet today? I want to ask you to reflect on your life right now, and is there any pride that's getting in the way of you being humble? Lastly, no matter what situation you're walking through in life, we all have things to be thankful for, whether it's um, our families, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our relationship with Christ, whether it's our bodies and the ability to move and to, to worship the Lord in the country that we live in. We all have things that we can rejoice. And so right now, I want you to just quietly bow your head and tell Jesus, tell the Savior of the Lord, something that you are thankful for. Rejoice to him because he has given us all things that we can rejoice for. Guys, I know that this year has been tough on a lot of us. I know a number of us are probably thinking, man, I just want 2021 to come to put this year behind us and to move forward. Unfortunately, I don't know what sudden changes face us next year. But what I do know is tough things are going to continuously be a part of our story. Especially when we choose to follow Christ. We're signing up to respond differently in this world than what others may respond. And it's going to be a tough journey. And it's going to take uh, um, us to go to battle every day to continue to fight through this, to continue to be the light in our community. But what I know is that here at Waypoint, this is a group of people that deeply love and desire Christ, that every day make the choice to continue adjusting their course towards him. And whether these, these four elements that I kind of cherry-picked through the book of Philippians are things that you're going to put into life and you're going to practice, or you have other things that you like to do every day to stay connected to the source, the key is that you find your strength through Christ, that when all this craziness and chaos is happening, people can look at your life, look at your family, and say, man, there's something different about them. I deeply, deeply desire to have that inside of me. And so my goal, it's simple, that we can be a community of believers that are humble, loving, care for one another, know what Christ did in our life and want to extend that love to others, and people can feel safe coming into this place because they see the light that we give off. And so I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as the band comes up, I'm going to read Paul's final exhortation to the Church of Philippians because I think it's incredibly powerful and encouraging. It says, Rejoice in the, Lord's always, in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. I hope that this season, as we continue walking forward, you choose to put your peace in Christ, your trust in Christ, and he will give you a strength that you have never felt before, no matter what sudden change you are facing.